All right, let's go into the message this weekend, this Sunday. Today is a good day. How many of you know today is a good day? Yes, okay. <laughs> Praise God. I believe that because God's mercies are brand new every morning, and I, I just know that God wants to speak to us this morning, and God wants to show us something that can be a life-changing thing for us. So let's jump into it. Um, have you ever noticed that there are some people that when you meet them, you immediately just notice that there's something different about them? And, and it's not just that, that they maybe drive a nice car, have some prestigious career, or that they talk or act a certain way. It's just that there's something different and you can tell. And if you're around them for any amount of time, you, you get to this place where you want to know their secret. What is it about this person? What is it about this person that it seems like there's this peace that nothing seems to rattle them? There's this joy. Something about them is different to where it just seems like they're always happy. Seems I always have this joy, and they can actually kind of be annoying at times, if we're really honest. I know if you were really honest, you would say, yeah, there's those people that I know that sometimes they can just, because like, it's like, it's almost like maybe we're jealous. I don't know what it is, but they have something, and we see it, and it can get on, get on our nerves at times. But the reality is, is that every single one of us know currently or have known somebody that just, there's just something different about them. And uh, if you're like me, I've seen people and I've known people and I know people that when I see them, I really, in all, in all sincerity, want what they have. And it's, you know, you've been in a restaurant before, you sit down to eat and all of a sudden the, the server walks by with something on their tray and you see it and you're like, whoa, what is that, right? Or you'll say, I'll have what she's having or I'll have what he's having. And unfortunately, most of the time for me, it's when I already have my food and it's not as good as what I see over at this table. And it's a bummer. And I sit there with a very sad heart. <laughs> because now I have to, I can't send this back. Like, what's my reason? Well, I like that better. It looks better. And I guess you could. Anyways, with people, this happens often, more often than not, is we have what's in front of us. And then we see something different. And we notice that it's different. We notice that it's unique. And, and we want to know, what is the secret to that? What is this person's secret? What is it that makes them different? Well, it's not the way they dress. It's not the way they talk. It's not uh, the things that we, that we see out on the outside. It's something that's going on inside in that person. The reality, in a spiritual sense, is that people that truly know the person of Jesus Christ and are connected to them are, are, are always going to look different than the rest of the people in this world. And we're going to want what they have because we're going to see a peace that is really kind of unexplainable. We're going to see a joy that is rare in this world. We're going to see a serenity that you just don't see that's very uncommon. And when we see that, what we're seeing is someone that is in Christ Jesus, someone that is organically united and connected to Jesus Christ. And he's a living reality to them. They're connected to Jesus in a way that seems rare, but it really shows in everything that they do. And, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you know someone that, I, someone that I'm describing, know someone like this, that it just seems like there's something about them? And I can think of a number of people, even in our church, that I just, like, I like to be around them. I like to be around because I want, them, I want it to rub off on me. Because I can, I, can, I can be grumpy at times, especially before I drink my coffee in the morning. Um, I, can, I, I certainly have my character flaws. And when I'm around a person like this, it's just like, yeah, I want to be around this person. I want to be around them. I want to I know their secret. 
Well, it hasn't been till recently that I've really discovered that it's really not a secret at all because the Bible describes this kind of person. The Bible describes these character traits so many times throughout Scripture. And the words that are used to describe this kind of person or this person is the two words, in Christ. And in Christ is actually found in Scripture many, many times. So to put this in in biblical terms... It's someone that has the peace of Christ that's ruling in their hearts. We see in Colossians. It's someone that the power of Christ has made perfect in their weakness in 2 Corinthians. It's someone that the life of Christ has made manifest in their mortal flesh in 2 Corinthians 4.11. These are people that have an inner peace that no conflict can disturb. It's the peace of Christ. They have a spiritual power that physical challenges can't destroy. It's the power of Christ. They have this life or this vitality that even the process of death can't put down. That is what is described as the abundant life of Christ. So these are people that are living examples of what it means to be in Christ. I want to talk about this in Christ because the expression in Christ or in the Lord or in him occurs 164 times in the letters of Paul alone. And the word Christian only occurs a few times. And so really, if we're looking, if you, if, you, if you use the word Christian, you're really kind of painting a very broad stroke. And, uh, and just saying Christian, really, if you, if you say that, it can bring up some positive thoughts. It can also bring up some very negative thoughts because some things done in the name of Christianity um, haven't always been the best things. And so the better description of someone that is a Christ follower, someone that would consider themselves to be a Christian, would be someone that is in Christ Jesus. Because the Bible talks about that term way more often than anything else. And really, the the definition of what it means to be in Christ is really the true and accurate portrayal of what someone who who considers themselves to be a follower of Christ looks like. Look at the way it's described in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. I'll stop right there. How many of us at times have felt like, well, I'm I'm no masterpiece? Or maybe even now, I'm no masterpiece. Like, like a masterpiece is something beautiful, and it's something, it's something extravagant, and it's something very special. That's not me. Well, let me tell you something. God looks at you, and he considers you his masterpiece. There's this term in the world of art called contrast. And contrast is, is different colors. It's, it's light and darkness. And, and when, when someone looks at your life and they see the contrast between where you've been and who you have been and the things that you've done to where you are now and what God is doing in your life, that is contrast and it's a beautiful piece of art. So let me give you some news. All of you are a piece of work in God's eyes. I'm okay to be a piece of work as long as he's working on me. The Bible says that he who has begun a good work will not finish, will not, will, not, will not be done until the day of completion, until Jesus comes back. So all of you, every single person in this room, we are considered his masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Ephesians 2.13 it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So it's a nearness that, that, that God has called us into. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5, I think it's a beautiful picture of this. It's the vine and the branches. Many of you have heard of this. For I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus says. He says, 
I will abide in you and you will abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What a beautiful picture, right? Because what, it's, what this picture is painting is that you're connected. That it's like this lifeline. What flows through him also flows through you. And that apart, if you separate that, nothing can happen. What a beautiful picture. It's a picture of grace too. Because if you think about that, it says, then it goes on to say, Jesus says, we are connected Apart from me, you can do nothing. But there's a part in there that says, that says, I, if you abide in me and I abide in you, I will produce good fruit in your life. That's grace. Because grace is, grace is I, I don't have to do it. God has already done it. Jesus Christ on the cross has already done it. So what's my responsibility? John 15 says, abide, remain, stay. Just stay in him. I mean, I don't know about you, but like that could be it. That could be the message. I could be running out like, yeah, and we could all be excited, but there's more, all right? I'm going con- to continue, but that's pretty good, right? Like what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to be in Christ, to be in him, to stay in him. It's not a list of how we can get to God because God has already come to us. He's here with us. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Jesus came to us and he got in the middle of our mess so that we could be connected with him. It's a beautiful picture. I think about even, even the idea of Jesus when he walked up to, to, to his disciples before they were his disciples. He walked up to people and he never walked up to anybody and said, hey, I'm Jesus. You should, you should, uh, uh, he, he never walked up to anyone and said, hey, I'm Jesus. I want to follow you. He never said that. He always walked up to people and he said, hey, I'm Jesus, come and follow me. But I believe, and listen, I'm guilty of this myself. We set up our lives in a way where he's kind of the one that has to follow us because we're doing our own thing. We're like, okay, Jesus, keep up, buddy. You know, we just keep on going. But that's never the way it was supposed to be set up. I mean, it's kind of the same idea as if, like, if I invited Jesus to my house and, and then he had to eat all the food that I eat and watch all the stuff that I watch and be a part of all the activities that we're a part of. Like, that's not what he wants. He wants us to move into his house. And so we can watch the things that he watched and do the things that he does and, and, and see the things he wants to show us and that we're surrounded and, 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 and completely submitted to the life of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible paints, the picture. That's why it says that we are to be in him and he is to be in us, that we're connected. All right. I'm going to tell you about my grandma Myrtle. Anybody know my grandma Myrtle? I don't, I don't think anybody here knows her. All right. Grandma Myrtle, fantastic lady. The reason I want to tell you about grandma Myrtle is when I think about someone that's in Christ, someone that's connected, I instantly think of Grandma Myrtle. She lived in our Kansas City, Kansas, all the way up until she passed away a few years ago. But this was a lady, like, she was different, and everybody noticed it. Everybody saw it. She just lived differently. She was always smiling. She treated everybody with kindness. If she had someone come and do her yard, before they were done, they'd be inside eating, and she'd be cooking for them and giving them lemonade. There was just something different about her. I remember so many memories of sitting with, with Grandma Myrtle, and I'd be sitting there, and she just had the smile on her face. I remember one time she was sitting there in the recliner, and I'm sitting over on the sofa, and we're watching the news, and something terrible was being talked about on the news, and I said, Grandma, can you believe this? And, she, and I look over at her, and she's just smiling at me, just this big smile, and she looks at me, and she says, 
This is true. She did this all the time. She just looked at me and said, you sure are good looking. <laughs> and I was like, Grandma, tell me something I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I didn't say that. I found out later she said that to all the cousins, but I, I really believe she meant it with me. Um, and we joked about this at, at her memorial service, but she just always did that. She, she would always, like, you'd look at her and she'd just be smiling, and she'd sometimes just have her eyes closed, and it's like she you almost just felt like she just was in heaven in that moment, like she's just picturing what it was like to be in heaven. Just something so different about her. She just was kind. I remember so many times walking in and she'd have a record playing and she'd be, just be worshiping God. She'd be doing the dishes. She'd be singing, and he walks with me and he talks with me. And I'll tell you what, I will never, ever forget the impact that Grandma Myrtle has had on my life. At her funeral, I led, at her memorial service, I led the whole congregation in Take Me Out to the Ball Game. <laughs> True story. Because before she passed away, when she knew she was going, she didn't have a care in the world. She wasn't afraid of dying because she was in Christ. She was connected. She was already, already experiencing heaven here on earth, the kingdom here on earth. And she knew where she was going. And so she said, you know what? I want it to be a celebration. I don't want you guys to be all weepy and cry. I want you to sing, take me out to the ball game at my memorial service. And we're all like, Grandma, you can't do that. And so I was the only one, I guess, that had the guts enough to get up and lead everybody. I remember the funeral director kind of standing over there with his tie on, and he looked at me like, you can't, you, oh, you can't do that. It was in their funeral home, but we did it. Listen, the point of, of talking to you about Grandma Myrtle is that she was different, and it was obvious. I want to tell you something. To be in Christ is to, is to, to be seen by people in this world as someone different and something different inside of you. And, and listen, I, 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 want, I want that. I'm on this journey. I don't know, even know how close I am. I still have a long ways to go. But the one thing I know is that the Bible describes a picture of what it means to have abundant life here on earth and what it means to have crickets over your head just could fall on you at any second. They've already attacked a couple people in the front row, right? You guys are all right? They could fall at any moment. Just know that, okay? Feel free to scream if it falls on you. You might say, well, your grandma probably never had anything difficult happen in her life. Well, she did, actually. She had a number of very difficult things. When my mom was 19 years old, uh, my grandpa was lost in a, in a terrible accident, devastating to their whole family. And I asked my, my mom this week just to describe a little bit about how my, my, my grandma walked through that. And certainly it was a very difficult time and there was sadness. But um, I wrote down what my mom responded. She said that she went to church a couple of days after his death. She cried a lot that year. We as kids cried with her. And also we laughed a lot at all the beauty, beautiful and funny memories of, of daddy. She knew he was in heaven. She'd say he had to go early to welcome all the people that he'd led to the Lord as they arrived in heaven. She found strength in God and in her Christian friends. My grandma knew what it meant to be in Christ. And I believe that each one of us, God so desires for us to also know what it means to be in Christ. I, I, the, what, I think the picture today, as we jump into just a few, a few more things here, is that we're unwrapping a gift. 
And, and we see the box. We see what it is. It's like, oh, okay, in Christ, to live in Christ. We see the box. And kind of what we're doing today is unwrapping it. We're describing it a little bit. We're reading what it says on the box about it. But, but in order for this to truly make a difference in your life, you got to take this with you, and you got to continue to unwrap it. you got to pull that box open. you got to see what's inside. This is something that can't just be talked about. It's got to be experienced. You have to experience being in Christ. And we're going to talk about practically what that looks like. So let's just, if you have your sheet of paper, I want to give you the, the fill-ins here. Being in Christ, here's a few results uh, that benefit us, but also benefit the world. The first one is it brings personal fulfillment. It brings personal fulfillment. John 6.35 says, uh, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Colossians 2.9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So here we see fullness. Here we see you won't hunger anymore. Here we see you're going to drink something, and it's going to cause you to not thirst anymore. So the picture here is, is God is saying, listen to me. There's a hunger that you're going to have in this world that I want to satisfy but here's the reality is I know you're going to look to so many other things to satisfy that for you. You're going to look to things of this world. You're going to look to, to money. You're going to look to, to validation from other people. You're going, to, you're going to want to drink from all of these other fountains. But I am giving you something that if you will drink of it, if you will eat of it, you will never hunger again and you will never thirst again. I will bring you to fullness, as it says in Colossians. In Christ, you have been brought to fullness. It's a fullness that once you experience it, you're so full of, of Christ and the things of Christ that there's not room for the other things. There's not room for worry, despair. There's not room for anxiety. There's not room for trying to seek validation and trying to find your identity in the things of this world and in people and in stuff because you have found it all in a person named Jesus Christ. That's why he came to this earth. You want to know why he came? He said it in his, own, in his own words. Jesus Christ said this. He says, I have come to give you life. He doesn't stop there. He says, I've come to give you life and to give you life abundant. That word abundant is, it's like robust. It's full. It's overflowing. It's, 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 it's a picture of Jesus saying, I'm going to give you everything you need in this life. And then you won't need the things of this world. And, and unfortunately, I'm guilty of this as well, but I fill my life with so much stuff of this world, and I want, I want people's praise. I want people's acceptance. I want, to, I want to be seen as successful in this life. And just was talking between services with Diane Coffey, who's um, Pastor Ryan's mom, and and uh, they, they work for the district office. Uh, Pastor, Pastor Ryan's uh, dad is the district supervisor and talking to her. And, and she, she talks a lot around the district about success. And what does success look like? Well, the reality is, we, as we were talking, I was so glad that she said this, is the reality is success is, is found in just being. 
it's, it's really success in the kingdom of God is not all the things that you accomplish on this earth. Now, that's not saying that you shouldn't accomplish things. That's not the point. You should. Whatever God gives you, whatever you go, go after it with all your heart. But true success in the kingdom of God, true success is just being found in him and allowing his life to flow through you. Allowing everything you do, all the accomplishments are great, but as you're accomplishing those things, what is overflowing as you're doing those things? What are the things that, what, how, what, is, what is the world seeing in you as you're doing those things? And then there's God's peace. And that's, this is something that is, just seems so rare today, doesn't it? Seems so rare. I think so many of us, we desire peace so badly. There's so much anxiety, there's so much worry. And Jesus says this, Philippians chapter 4, I believe. Uh, I don't think we have it on the screen. But he says, he, he says um, what does he say? He says, the, in Philippians chapter 4, it says, Do not worry, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now that's fulfillment. Listen, my prayer for all of us is that the peace of God would rule our hearts. We need the peace of God in our lives and in our hearts. Number two, so the first one is it brings personal fulfillment. Number two is it brings brotherly unity. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but um, Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says that there is neither, grew, there is neither Jew nor Greek there's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female, for you all are one in Christ. Romans 12, 5. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Listen, I just want to say a couple things on this. First one is it's not possible to belong to him, to the Messiah, without simultaneously belonging to the Messianic community to the community that God has put you in. That it's, it's a, it's a, it's a two-sided coin here. That to belong in him is also to belong with each other. And uh, unfortunately, we see so much division in, in the world today, don't we? We see so, it almost feels hopeless, doesn't it? It feels like we're so divided. It feels like that, that the church throughout the world or that Christians are so divided. And, and all I want to say is just this one thing, is, is that if, if we... If, if we can focus on the person of Jesus Christ, we can be united. We can be united. If we can focus on the redemptive story of Jesus Christ in each one of our lives, there can be unity there, I believe, with all my heart. Number three. So personal fulfillment, brotherly unity, and number three is it brings radical transformation. Radical transformation. It's a transformation that should be obvious in each one of our lives. Now, it's not just like when we become Christians or when we say the prayer, when we accept Jesus Christ into our hearts, it's really a wonderful thing, but it's the beginning of something. It's not the end of something. It's the end of your old life, but it's the beginning of a new life. If you've never... If it's never felt like someone has taken you and turned you upside down and just, sh and just shaken you, then you don't know what it's truly like to be in Christ. Because being in Christ changes everything. 
It changes everything. You take on a whole new perspective in life. Uh, let, me, let me read these scriptures here. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Colossians 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then 1 Corinthians 5.22, it says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So it's a transformation that happens. It's a transformation that God wants to begin in your life and he wants to continue it for a very long time. And this transformation is what's considered the the work that he's doing in our lives. When he begins a work, he wants to continue it. It's not just, oh, I'm a Christian and now everything is okay. Like I'm never gonna be tempted again or my life is just gonna be wonderful and easy. No, in fact, when you become a Christian, when you become in Christ, when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, it gets harder. It really does. It, it gets more difficult. It also gets extremely more fulfilling. It's all worth it. But it is a difficult thing because it's God taking however many years leading up to that of just selfishness and living for yourself and living in this world to having to transform that. Like I said, we're pieces of work, but God is committed to the transformation process that he wants to create in us as we are in Christ Jesus. We see things differently. We see the world system and we see Jesus system and we see that they're very different. And not to dive into it too much, but we see that the world really admires things like strength and and, and a, a Superman kind of mentality and, 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 and even, even things like pain, evil, evil for evil. But, but Jesus, on the other hand, he said things, things like, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who, who put others above themselves. You can't, you can't experience this, Jesus said, unless you become like a little child. So that's what I mean by just taking you and turning you upside down and just shaking you. That the system of this world is very different than what it means to be in Christ. So all this together answers the most important question in the heart of all mankind. And that is, who am I? I think someone sang a song. Who? Okay, I don't know. Anyways. That was not in my notes, and now I'm regretting it because it, like, wasn't even on key. Isn't there a song? Who are you? I don't know. Anyways, okay. The Who, right? Didn't they do a song? Yeah, okay. Oh, my gosh. Let's keep going here. All right. The question is, who am I? Why do I exist? Why do I exist? All of these answers are found in one place and one place only, and that's in Christ Jesus. That's where these answers are found. I want to read this this uh, description here, it's in your notes. Uh, Timothy Lane writes it this way, and I believe it's just a, a wonderful description of what this looks like. In God's plan, our quest for personal identity is meant to drive us back to him as creator so that we find our meaning and our purpose in him. When we live out a sense of who we are in Christ, we live our lives based on all we have been given by Christ. This keeps us from seeking to get those things from the people 
and situations around us. Much of the disappointments and heartache we experience is the result of our attempts to get something from relationships that we already have in Christ. We have all of it in Christ Jesus. It's all there for us in Christ Jesus. We need not look anywhere else but in Christ Jesus. It's just been in recent years that this truth has has become a reality in my life. Um, I wouldn't change the way I was raised for anything. I was raised in another country in Chile and South America. My parents were missionaries. And uh, I just think an incredible adventure that I had there. Um, and, and my parents were fantastic in raising us. Um, but I experienced some things like a Christian school in Chile, a very legalistic Christian school where, where I, had, I got spankings at this school. Anybody get spankings growing up in school? Yeah, wow, a lot of people. Okay. Um, I'm not going to ask if that should still happen today, but back then it happened. And, uh, and, and it was, honestly, for me, it wasn't a very good experience because at times I was getting spanked for stuff I didn't even know I was doing. Um, I remember I had this one teacher, she just was mean, and she had this long finger, she'd point it at people, it was really long, like sh- too long, and she'd, she'd point her, her finger at me, and, and I just remember, uh, especially one time, she pointed her finger at me, and she said, God is so upset with you, he's so mad at you, and in, unless you ask him to forgive you, he doesn't want anything to do with you, and, and it's so crazy, because I have a terrible memory, I can't remember much of anything, like in first, second, third grade, but I remember that as if it was yesterday. It stuck with me. And things like that have stuck with me over the years to where, to where I, 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 over time, as I kept it to myself and I didn't allow someone to process that with me, I didn't talk about it, what happened is I developed a real performance mentality in my life. I remember moving from Chile back to the United States and really struggling because I felt different. I was a little blonde 10-year-old with a Spanish accent. <laughs> Pretty crazy. And I felt different. I felt weird. I felt like a freak. And, 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 and I wanted so badly to fit in. So what I did was I performed. I did everything I could. I tried to be funny. I tried to be good at sports. I did everything I could to try to get acceptance from the people around me. And as, as we all know, I only found, I, I, I didn't find that acceptance. I didn't find that identity in those people. And so I struggled. I felt like for so many years, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know why I existed. And, and it even crept into being a pastor. I was a pastor, lead pastor in Denver for four years. And I got to a place where, where I was doing so many things for God, but I felt like I was a thousand miles away from him. I was doing so many things for him, trying to please him, trying to do what I thought was what I was supposed to be doing. But I began to actually hate church. I began to, to hate going to church every day because I had this mentality of I needed to do all of these things in order. The, the church, I needed to try to find identity as, as a pastor of this church. And I was looking in all of the wrong places. And so over the last three or four years, God has completely just turned, turned this in my life to where today I, I, I'm still so far away. But I can honestly say, that where I used to look at what I, what I did to determine who I was, today I can honestly say that my focus is to, number one, find out who it is that I am in Christ Jesus, and that then will, in turn, determine what it is that I do in this life. Does that make sense? I think many of us in this room, we, we might... It might be something that God would challenge you to. That God would say, you've been looking to the things that you do. You've been looking at the things that you've done. And you've taken all of those things on. And those things have become your identity. But today, God wants to start a process in your life 
where he, where he reverses that, where he says, today I want you to discover who I am or who you are in Christ, and that will then determine what your life looks like. It'll be the overflow of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, if we don't see this as a relationship with Jesus Christ, then we are missing it. 100% we're missing it. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that, all, then, that then offers us that relationship with our Father in heaven. And it's the relationship with God that gives us everything we will ever need. And when he gives us everything we will ever need, then it overflows. And we see ministry and we see what our impact on this world as not something we're trying to do, but rather something we're allowing God to do through us. Does that make sense? And our identity is not then found in the things that we're doing. Our identity is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And then we just allow him to do what he wants to do. Doesn't that sound like a lot better way to live? I've lived the other way for so long. Let me tell you, let me tell you, I've lived the other way for so long. It's exhausting. You go to bed at night and you just haven't done good enough. You don't feel like you've done enough. I, I, I've gone to bed even as a pastor at times like, if I die tonight, I honestly don't even know if I'm going to go to heaven. It's crazy. Because what we do is we allow the enemy, we allow the enemy to lie to us. If the enemy is successful in anything, he wants to be successful in you not knowing who you are in Christ Jesus. He wants to be successful in your identity being confused and you not knowing why you're on this planet. If you don't know why you're on this planet, the enemy has won. Because he's lied to you enough to get you to believe that you're not in this world for a purpose Today, my identity is found in Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus alone. What I'm doing up here is just because I want to get up and I want him to speak to us this morning and say this is the way that we can live. This is the way that he has come to this earth to design life to look like. Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move and exist. Oh, can you say that with me? For in him we live, we move, and we exist. For in him we live, we move, and we exist. In him. Let's have the worship band come back up. I'm going to finish with something super practical. Super, super practical, because I'm, I'm sure there's at least a few of you, hopefully more, wondering, well, how does this happen? Okay, so we've unwrapped this, and we see what it's all about, but how does this happen? How can I truly live in Christ? I'm going to tell you, it's really, it's really more simple and complex than we even know at the same time. First, how this happens, we must, capital M, must, and write this down if you have a pen in your hand right now, we must know who the Bible says we are, number one. We must know who God says we are. We must, you must, you have to know, you got to know. There's no option. you got to know. Number two, we must believe that we are who God says we are. you got to believe it. Number two, you got to believe, we must, let's stick with the word must, we must believe that who God says you are is, is true. It's a reality. And number three, we must remind ourselves every single day that we are in Christ and remind ourselves who we are in Christ. You might say, well, why every day? That seems a little, I don't know, that's too much. Let me tell you why it has to happen every single day. 
Because every day of your lives, the enemy is going to lie to you and tell you you're someone that you're not. Every day. Every single day, you are going to get, you're going to hear from the world what your life should look like, who you should be, what you should, what success looks like, what you should go after. Every single day, you're going to get it. And you'll probably get thousands even before 10 o'clock in the morning if you're on Facebook or any other kind of social media. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. What is that daily bread? The daily bread is a constant daily reminder of who you are in Christ Jesus. It's the word of God in your life. We must know what it is. We must know that it's true. And we must remind ourselves of it every single day. And I'm telling you, it sounds like a formula, but it's not. It's a relationship. I haven't gone a day without talking to my wife in 11 years. We talk every single day. What? You talk every day? Every day? Every single day. And I don't think a day has gone by where we haven't told each other that we love each other. Why is that so important? It's important because if we don't hear it, then we start to believe other things. We got to hear it. We got to hear from our Father. We got to hear that Jesus came to this earth to make things different. And it doesn't mean our lives are going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that everything's just going to be okay superficially or physically. But I'll tell you this everything is going to be okay in Christ Jesus because He makes it okay. We have to live in Him. And listen, I'm convinced that if Jesus was here today, He would look at you and He would smile the big smile on His face. I'm convinced he would say, you sure are good looking. <laughs> I'm convinced he would say, you sure are wonderful. He would, he would show you the kind of love that is not available anywhere else. And it's the love that's found in Christ Jesus. Would you stand with me? in closing, I'm going to read some promises about who we are. And, and I personally have them on my phone because at any moment, I want to pull it up and I want to know. I, I hear the enemy. I hear the world. I want to pull this up. I want to know. And so um, I want to read some of these to you. And I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to accept these in your life as that this is who you are in Christ Jesus. And by the way, I've printed off a piece of paper that we put on the welcome counter out there of over 90 scriptures of who I am in Christ. And so I even made more copies in between services because so many people grabbed them during the first service. Go out and grab one, take it home with you, and, and, and read it. Get to know who you are in Christ. Get to know how God sees you and, and how in, incredibly valuable you are to him. Um, but just as we, as we close here, I want to read some of these to us. In Christ, I am purchased and redeemed by his precious blood. In Christ, I am forgiven. In Christ, I am set free from condemnation and shame. In Christ, I am born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In Christ, I am a partaker in his glorious nature. In Christ, I am given all things that pertain to life and godliness. In Christ, I am renewed in my spirit 
in the spirit of my mind. In Christ, I am rooted and grounded in love. In Christ, I am able to forgive others as I have been forgiven. In Christ, I am able to do all things that he calls me to. In Christ, I am his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus and prepared for good works that he has planned for me. I have purpose. In Christ, I am spiritually seated in the heavenly places and operating here with an eternal perspective. In Christ, I am a new creation. The old me has been stripped away. In Christ, I am created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. In Christ, I am filled with the power to overcome sin's temptations and strongholds. In Christ, I am able to live the victorious life that he has provided for me. In Christ, I am able to put on the armor of light and make no provision for the flesh. In Christ, I am able to stand firm against the spiritual forces of evil. In Christ, I am able to boldly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. In Christ, I am the aroma of life to those who are perishing. In Christ, I am able to smile at the future, knowing that my King, who is my bridegroom, is returning for me soon. God, we accept who we are in you, Christ Jesus. We thank you that you paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could have a relationship with you. God, we are so blessed. We are so encouraged by who you are and who we can become in you, God. Let us know the truths of who we are and let us walk in them daily. In Jesus' name, amen.